so uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, the, the worship time. And it's nice to enjoy the worship, isn't it? Uh, not so nice when you're thinking, why did I say yes? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, I'll start uh, like a friend of mine started some uh, years ago with his sermon. I will preach to you this morning in the most spoken language on earth, which is broken English. Yeah, it's broken English. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I'm always tired in England, just thinking in English, just trying to do all the things in English and... Uh, uh, anyway, it was really funny. Uh, we had uh, um, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, a guy from uh, Horsham. His name is Andy Robinson, and he stayed with us three weeks, helping us with the refugees, trying to do stuff for us. So uh, at the end of these three weeks, he said, uh, Danny, I completely understand, you know, I'm so tired just listening to broken English. <laughs> And I said, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's tiring sometimes just to, to think and speak in English, but I'll do my best. I hope you understand me, and uh, I hope the Lord will speak to you this, this morning. Thank you very much for having us and inviting us. We've been to this conference uh, after three years of uh, not being well, attending any conferences. It, it was really good. It was nice to see the people, to, to meet new people and meet also old friends. And it's always good to be together on conferences like this. But when I'm on conferences, I'm trying to learn always. So I was listening and I was watching. I was watching a lot. I was watching you a lot. <laughs> and I loved what I've seen here. I really loved. I saw uh, this team of leaders you have here and the, the whole team really serving the whole congregation. And it was absolutely, uh, I don't know, mind-blowing? Is it, it's, yeah? It was really, uh, really excited to see them uh, serving, setting up the chairs. Then we had this comedian, all the tables, set down the tables, back with the chairs, uh, doing coffee, doing sandwiches, and serving. It's really, a, you're blessed. I don't know if you know, but you're really blessed. Not all the pastors and elders and uh, uh, leaders in the church are doing that. And I was really blessed to see these guys really serving us. And then they invited us for meals. You can tell that. Uh, we had good meals. We were treated well. So thank you very much. You're an example for us, uh, for the way you serve the church. And you, church, you are blessed to have these guys here and the families and the whole team, really. Thank you for everything. So I'll, I'll start by uh, showing some pictures, if that's all right. Uh, uh, my name is Dani Russo. This is my wife, Laura. We've been married for uh, 25 years in May. And that's Natalia, my uh, daughter. She will be 13. And Eric, he is quite tall. He is 17 almost. Uh, he's tall, he, he looks like his mom because his mom is taller than myself, so he's quite tall. He's, uh, he's a good guy and uh, loves the Lord and uh, we have a great family, just to let you know. We come from a city of Brasov, which is in the center, a center of Romania. It's a very nice city, a big city, and uh, it's a very tourist city. Um, 
Yeah, that's a bit about of me. So let me tell you a bit of our story as a church. So our church started right after the revolution on Christmas Day, you know, 25 December 89. Uh, the Romanians shot their president, Ceausescu, and freedom started, democracy was established in Romania. So 1990, already a guy from Germany and his family, Hermann Meyer, came to Romania and they planted this church. I was with Sergio together, one of the first converts in this church in August. Uh, 1990, I gave my life to, to Jesus, so this is my story. And I think seven months later, a very handsome lady came to our church, joined the church, got saved on the first Sunday, and in three months also her family was saved. So most of our, most of our members of the church are new converts. We don't have people coming from other churches, which is great because you have your own culture and it helps a lot. It brings a lot of unity. We had some issues, but it was always with other people who joined our church. But it's great to have, I think, 99% of our members are our converts, which is great or maybe now not so many, but uh, we used to have 99% because we are a church who believes strongly in sharing the gospel and we want to do that. Another thing which is quite uh, important for us as a church is we try to, to help the needy, the poor. We did this for 32 years. We had dozens, uh, dozens of projects beginning with gypsies, buying them land and tractors and cows and bringing food and aid and bringing the gospel and preaching the gospel in many, many uh, um, uh, villages around Brasov. We did that for many years. And I think in uh, 1996, we started a ministry with the street kids. In those days in Brasov, we had around 300 street kids and we, we, we had them all in our, in our uh, facilities. We, we started by feeding them out in the streets. We went with uh, big pots and served soup and good Romanian food. It is good. The Romanian food is good. Uh, <coughs> And we went out to the streets and the snow was like this and it was sometimes minus 20 degrees and we fed them. And then by the grace of God, we could build a building which was a day and a night shelter. So we did all the documents for them. They didn't have any IDs. Uh, IDs meaning not IDs, IDs, yeah. Uh, they didn't have any IDs. We did all the documents. We helped them to read and write. They could have free meals and we tried to offer them and find for them jobs. So that's what we did. Also, we did a clever thing with my brother who leads worship. He's one of our leaders. He's my best friend. Uh, Hari, he, uh, they uh, had their salaries and I can't remember, but I think 70% of the salaries went to a bank account. And they couldn't take the money out with Harry's, without Harry's signature and their signature. So when there was enough money there, we took the money out and we paid the rent for two or three years. They had a job. So most of them were reintegrated. And it was a really blessed year. I think we did that for 15 years. And now we can't, you can't really barely find street kids on the streets of Brasov. It was a blessing. We always cared for the poor. That's what we tried to do. Then after we, we started also some after schools. We have uh, an after school who runs in a very poor area of Brasov. Um, a lot of crime there, uh, bad stories, father killing the mother, things like this in a bus and the kids uh, 
and no, no parents because the mom died and the dad is in prison, so things like this. We went there and we started this project 20 years ago and it's still running and it's running well. And uh, I think the first generation finished university now and it's really going well. And every uh, summer we also do some camps for them, for the whole uh, bunch of, uh, of kids. So we have many kids, we did so at least 20 camps just for them which is a blessing, uh, 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 and uh, it, was a, it was a long journey, but we see that things are changing, which is really, really good. So as a church, we were quite evangelistic, and we are really trying to look for the poor and uh, don't forget them. Uh, we also are a church who, has, who likes relationships. We like relationships. The Romanian are a bit more Latin than... Uh, other cultures and we like uh, people so we we've tried to to be a church who is very hospitable and we like to include everyone because we think god has included us in his family so that's why it's a lot of space for others too not just for us so that's the one thing we like to do so once a month we have a meal after church on Sunday with the whole church and we can invite everyone. So we have our friends coming, having meal together. That's something really important also for us. And uh, we used to have also Bible school. We don't run it anymore uh, because we had many people coming to Brasov and they love the city and they love the church and they didn't want to go back. So we needed to close this Bible school because of that. And uh, it was always in our heart to be a center where we can train people and the center with resources, all kinds of resources. So this is part of our vision. So then we thought, okay, if this is part of our vision, we felt strongly in 1996 to, to, to pray and start praying for, for a land. You can, you could, there is a picture with our land. Yeah, that's 1996, I think. That's me, you see, a bit of change, but... Uh, that, that's the land we bought, 8,000 square meters. There was nothing there. We prayed as a Bible school for two years. In 1998, we bought the land and nothing happened till uh, our founding uh, pastor, Herman, needed to leave to Germany back and because of school issues with the kids and so on, the American school closed in Russia, so they didn't know what to do with the kids. And since 2007, I uh, lead the church with a great team and... Um, 2008, we decided, let's start building a building because we want to be a center of resources. We want to be a church with the light, a lot of training going on there. So we started 1990, uh, sorry, 2008. And this is how it looks like today. It's almost finished. Just the outside is, yeah, it looks nice, isn't it? No colors, but it looks really nice. It's uh, on the right, there is the... Um, uh, main auditorium and the left it's more offices and uh, in the front on the left we will have a store which will uh, generate an income and on the right a uh, coffee shop that's our dreams and many many other activities will go on in this building because we think that God has called us to train and to send out and by the grace of God we planted some churches three churches in these years and we're part of New Frontiers in 25 years now so a bit of, a, of our church so you know where we're coming from uh, at the beginning of the year we do have prayer and fasting. We did that for three weeks. And we started in, uh, in the second week of, of, uh, of January. 
And uh, it's, it's really, I, I really encourage you to, to pray and fast and seek the Lord because these times are the best times ever in our church. I always say after three weeks or one week or whatever it is, this was the best. This was the best week. This was the best three weeks. And it's in these three weeks, uh, uh, Laura, my wife, she had a word from God and she said, I think church, God wants to use this building for something unexpected. And we didn't know what to do with this prophetic word. And two days later, another lady from our church came and she said, I feel very strongly that God will bring many foreigners in our church. Many, many, I see many foreigners everywhere. And we didn't know what to do with this. So three weeks later, the war started in, in, in Ukraine. And then uh, you, um, refugees started to come to Romania. I think there are more than two millions now, I think. I'm not sure. I don't know exactly, but might be. If not two, maybe five. <laughs> no, many, uh, many came to, to Romania. And I remember I was watching the news because everyone was really interested. What's going on now? What will happen, you know? And everyone was really emotionally, I don't know, yeah. So I saw a child like this, maybe five, six years with a, with a toy in his hand, crossing the border like this and crying. He was alone. I don't know if he had parents or not. And then we looked to each other, to my wife and uh, Laura, to me, obviously. And she said, we need to do something. We need to do something about it. And uh, that's how it started. We didn't have any money. We, the building wasn't finished. Just some details, it, if it helps. We didn't have any carpet in the... A uh, room we wanted to host them. It's a 200 square meter room. We thought ah, maybe 10 or 20. We will have 10 or 20 people in uh, on mattresses. We don't have the mattresses. Let's pray for the mattresses. So God did all, many, many, many miracles. Somebody came to us, uh, another believer, a lady who owns a company, and she said, "I'll do the flooring for you. You don't have to pay for the for the stick." Uh, for the glue, sorry, for the glue. You don't have to pay for the uh, for any interest. I will do it very cheap for you. And that was the start. And then we had another unbeliever coming who we sold part of the land of the 8,000 square meters. We sold part of the land. And he came in and said, I, did do, I have to do some measurements here. Can I come? Yeah, of course you can come. What are you doing? Well, we're receiving Ukrainians. Oh, that's nice. I want to help. So uh, he bought all the bed sheets and pillows and uh, blankets and things like this. So miracle after miracle. And uh, this lady who, who owns this uh, uh, company, which did the flooring for us, she said, I have a son, he's 12 years old, and he plays hockey. You know, hockey, yeah, on ice. We have it in Brasov. And uh, she said, uh, the guy who is the trainer, he's from Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. And he lives in Brasov since 20 years now. And uh, he will come now with two teenagers, 15 and 16 years. They will stay with us for two days and then off they go to Switzerland. And I met Evgeny for the first time and I told him what we want to do. And this is how it started. He left and after 10 minutes he calls me and he says, Danny, I'm a Christian too. Can you help me? I said, yes, of course. What can I do for you? I have a team of Ukrainians hockey, hockey team, ice hockey team they want to come and uh, the uh, to Romania as refugees can you help me I said yes we'll try how many of them he said 47 I said oh <laughs> when do they come next week oh so we had a big week of uh, 
I don't know, doing all the stuff, uh, painting and uh, arranging all the stuff there. We worked from morning to very late. The whole church was involved. Many came after work and we did it. it we did it because they came later three days. Otherwise, we wouldn't have made it. But uh, it was really nice to work together and do a difference in these people. So we had already 70 now, 55 the most in the same time. We have two hockey teams or three hockey teams and one volleyball team, yeah. So we have a lot of teenagers because nobody wants the teenagers. There are too many and there are teenagers. Yes, so uh, we said, yes, we will do that. So this is a bit about what we are doing. I would like today to uh, uh, read, um, so ask somebody to read uh, from Luke chapter five because we want to go into the word of God. Luke chapter five, verse one to 11, if that's all right. John, thanks. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Thank you, John. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have it, Lord, and it's in our hands, and we can read it every day. Thank you that there is a lot of treasure in there. There's a lot of life there, a lot of wisdom. We ask you in this morning, Holy Spirit, to come and speak to us. Thank you that you are the one who uh, comforts us, who speaks to us, and we just pray that you will come and, uh, um, yeah, illuminate the word. Amen. Amen. This is a very nice passage, isn't it? It's a, it's really, really nice passage to see Jesus, one of the first miracles at the beginning of his, uh, of his um, uh, work. Uh, he, dis, he does this. I, like to, I would like to go through the verses one by one or maybe two sometimes and just pick out some things. So today I'll try to uh, um, have this sermon like, like, like a fruit salad. You can pick out if God speaks to you from verse one or verse five or whatever. So I want to uh, one, one uh, 
topic. It's, it's going to be more topics, but I think at the end we will try to get some conclusions and I think it will be helpful. So what I like in verse 1 is really, verse 1, you could preach just from out of verse 1. It's really, really nice. It says there that people press to, to Jesus. So I can imagine many, many people, crowds of people crowding around Jesus. But this says something to me. This says something to me. This says that Jesus was really loved by the crowds. They loved Jesus. Why did they love him? I think he was a good teacher. Probably they didn't know he's the son of God, but they liked his teaching. If you read, yeah, uh, Matthew 5 to 7, yeah, the Sermon on the Mount, it's brilliant. He was an excellent teacher. So they like probably listening to the word of God, to what he has to say. But also he was a guy who, uh, a person who accepted everyone. He accepted, he accepted women in that society. He accepted the tax collector, yeah, the prostitutes. He was, he was accepting the kids. They would come to him and he would say, let the people come, let the kids come to me. He was loving the people. He was accepting the people. He was a man who really loved people. I don't know if you love people, but Jesus really was a person who, who was drawing people to him just because he accepted them and loved them and preached to them the good news. And I, I like this verse because I'm always thinking, am I like Jesus? Or when people see me, or see you, do they cross on the other side of the road? What do they do when they see me? What do they do when they see you? Because it's obvious here, when they saw Jesus, they came around him. They came around him. And I think God, God, is, God wants us to be those people where people feel safe and comfortable and love and accepted. And this will draw people to the church, will draw people in God's kingdom. And I think that's really, really important. And I wish I would be more and more like Jesus. So what kind of a person are you? When people see you, do they avoid you? Or do they want to come and hug you and say, ah, it's so good to see you. I really like you. I don't know, there's something about you, Mike, but I don't know what it is. Maybe your wife does, but there's something there. It's really special. And I want to be your friend. And this is what happened here in verse one. So what kind of a person are you? What kind of a person am I? Because I think it's really important. We are the light and the salt of the world. So this is the first question I want to leave you with from verse 1. So verse 2 is not very, very, um, I won't go into that today. But there is something about being uh, not lazy there. These guys were really hard workers. Uh, we could do a sermon about that. We can go into Proverbs. I think it's important to be not lazy to, to really work. But we, we will skip this verse and we will go to verse 3. And it says there that Jesus uh, entered into one of the ships. I found it really fascinating because Jesus wants to come into your boat today. He wants to come and jump into your boat. He wants to come into your life. I remember 1990 August. I can't forget this month. It's very hot uh, in, in Brasov. The summers are really hot, so we can have 35 degrees. I remember every day walking out of my door, going up down that hill that we have there, not a big hill, walking, and I felt like even the sun is shining different. 
I don't know, the atmosphere is different. I remember I was fighting with some guys in uh, the, the neighborhood and I wasn't uh, the, the, uh, um, a very good guy, let's say, put it this way. But I, I saw uh, at the bus station five or six guys there and uh, we fought all the time. Yeah, we had fights with them. And I, I became now a Christian and I, I was going towards them and I thought, Lord, what do I do now? Everything is nice, the sun is shining, but they are there. They still know me. And I prayed and I said, Lord, please do a miracle. And I walked through them like this, went and that it was. It was really nice. I felt like Jesus did something big in my life. He came into my boat. He came into my life. Everything was changed. When Herman the German, as we call him, told me, told me first time, Danny, Jesus loves you. I was a Lutheran, a German Lutheran, and I didn't know anything about Jesus. Really anything. I was confirmed, confirmed in the uh, Lutheran church, but I didn't know anything about Jesus. And he says, he loves you. Man, he really loves you. He wants to come in your boat. I said, who is this Jesus? Never heard too much about him. And he loves me. I mean, if I don't know him, why does he love me? And, but Jesus wants to come into your boat. And that happened to me in 1990. I don't know when it happened to you. But if it doesn't, didn't happen yet, Jesus wants to come into your boat. Jesus wants to come into your life and change everything. Really change everything. And if the circumstances doesn't change, at least your perspective and your heart is changed. Jesus wants to do good things to you. When he comes to in our lives, he's changing many things. And the other thing I noticed here in verse 3 is he, it was Simon's boat. It wasn't somebody's boat. It was Simon's boat. He wants to come into your boat. He knows you by name. He knows you and he loves you and he likes you. And you look maybe in your mirror and you think, mm, I don't like what I see there. And Jesus said, it's perfect. He loves you and he knows you by name. This is the second thing I want to emphasize in verse 3. And then he's using his possession, his boat. But I thought it's my boat. <laughs> no, it's not your boat. It's his boat. So all the possession we have in our lives, all the gifts we have in our lives, he wants to um, um, make them more useful, better. They, he wants to use them. So you think maybe, ah, oh, my house is my house. My car is my car. We do that, isn't it? But it's actually not ours. We didn't brought anything. And we don't take anything with us. So we're just administrators in this life, isn't it? And God wants to use our possessions and our heart and our life, our boat, everything for his glory. And he went into this boat and he preached the good news. And people were saved. And people were more and more coming and following Jesus. This is really, really nice. I like verse 3. And then verse 4. Um, this is an English translation. Then he comes to this guy called Peter. Simon, yeah? And he's not an expert. I mean, Jesus is a carpenter here. Yeah? He was a carpenter. He wasn't a fisherman. And he says to this guy... Go and throw your nets. It sounds really stupid, you know, if you're a fisherman, yeah? In the morning. Because they usually, you, you know what's happening, yeah? Because it's very hot in Israel. All the fishes are very swimming very low. So if you throw your net, you can't fish anything during the day. 
But when it's colder in the night, the fish will come and then you can go and catch a lot of fish. So it was already day and Jesus said, go and throw your nets and you will catch fish. He said, we've tried it all night. We didn't catch anything. We need just to, to uh, cleanse our nets. That's all we need to do. Yeah. But they did it. Yeah? And uh, it's, it's important, I think, to, to know that sometimes God is asking us to do things which are against the flow, against the, um, the culture. Sometimes we, which are on, on uh, the other way yeah? From the, for the culture. Jesus is asking us sometimes to do things we, we, don't, we wouldn't expect, expect because he's different. So he's, he's doing this with Peter here, yeah? He's asking to do something what is unexpected. So my question is, is there anything God has asked you to do sometimes? And you thought, mm, I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> I think I know better. <laughs> because I did. Sometimes God spoke to me, you know, bus or so, go and speak to this person. Sometimes I went and sometimes I didn't went. But sometimes God is asking us to do Things which we consider stupid and think, well, it makes no sense. It really does not make, doesn't make any sense. But this is what is happening here in verse 4 and 5. And I re- remember when I, uh, when I um, finished Bible school, I had to go to the army. For a year I was a fireman. And then I came back and married Laura. And uh, that was 97. And I worked for, for our company. We had a company with my brother. And... Uh, my father used to own also a company those days, a big company, and uh, I worked for, for this company. Uh, then I went to my father's company for other two years. And I remember 2000, Herman asked me, would you like to work for the church? And I said, yes, of course, I would like to work for the church. I would love to do that. So I left all the business, everything, to my brother and another friend, and uh, this is what happened. I worked for the church. And those his colleagues asked me, you found a better place, isn't it? Much money, huh? Church, Germans. Yeah, okay. And I said, no, I'm paid less. I said, why are you doing that? It's because I feel that God is calling me to do that. And later, years later, I have received other offers. But in the same week, I have decided to work for the church. There came a big, big offer to work for Italy. I mean, I think it was five times or even 10 times. I can't remember, but it was much bigger, the, the salary. And I said, no, this is God. Sometimes God is asking you to do things which are not logical. In your eyes, in your thinking, you think, well, it doesn't make any sense. But this is what happened here. But um, I remember 2006, because I want to, to explain what I'm saying. It's not just about money. I remember 2006, we had, 2004, we had a conference in Brasov. And David Devenish came to, to myself and Laura and he said, I have a prophetic word for you guys. And I said, okay, what is it? He said, I see a road in front of you. It's a very long, long road. And the Lord says, don't go to the left or don't go to the right. Just go straight. I said, okay, well, if it's a long road, I said, ah, probably I will live long. That, yeah, that was my first conclusion. I said, oh, that's a good thing. Two years later, we came to England to Andy Robinson. He was organizing a conference, a prophetic conference. And they said, outside, there are 10 rooms. You can go to a room. There are uh, in each room like four or five people. They will pray for you. If they receive words from the Lord for you, they will tell you. If not, 
you had a, a good, uh, you received a good prayer, yeah, at least. So I went to one of these rooms and they started praying for me. And these guys, they said, one of the guys said, Danny, I see in front of you a very, very long road. And the Lord is saying, don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left. So, okay, again, it's a long road. Next time I come back to the same conference, 600 people under the chair were 10 golden tickets, stick, just 10 in the whole room. They said from the front, look under your chair, you find a golden ticket, go out. I went out again, yeah, I had a golden ticket, I was happy. I went out <laughs> in another room, other people, they didn't know me. They said, we feel that God is saying to you, there's a long road in front of you. Don't go to the left, go to the right. I think I got the point now, Jesus. <laughs> So God was calling me to, 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 to work for the church and to, to lead the church. And sometimes it doesn't make any sense, maybe finance-wise or other, I don't know, your situation. But if God speaks, I would really encourage you, go for it. It's adventure. He comes into your boat and the, the life becomes really an adventure with Jesus. Life with Jesus is always an adventure. So my question out of these verses is, what has God called you to do? Is there anything which you, you really feel uh, the next season, this is what God really wants me to do? Is there anything? Think about it. You can be a church leader, you can be an elder, you can be whoever. Just think about it. God, what do you want to do with my life? It's very important. When I left Romania, I went from Bucharest, from Brasov to Bucharest to the airport. And it's important to know where you're going. Otherwise, you don't know if you started, if you're on the wrong, in, in the wrong direction or in the right direction. You don't know. You have to have a plan. You have to ask God, God, is there anything you want me to do? Otherwise, you're just going nowhere, you know. I'm, I just crossed the border. I'm in Ukraine, yeah. God wants to, to, to speak to you. And he, he's asking here, Peter, to do something. We will see later on. But what is God really wanting you to do in the next season, next two years, next five years. I think it's helpful now and now to ask these questions. Otherwise, we just go in the same rhythm, same direction, doing all the things we used to do, and nothing important is happening in our life. Nothing significant is happening in our life. So is there anything? I think it's a good question to ask. Verse 6, the results are great. The results are great because they are listening. They are, they are obedient to Jesus. I think it's very important. I will emphasize this one. If God speaks, you know that. It's really important to act quickly. To act quickly. If you don't act quickly, you never act. Isn't it? So if God speaks, and they were really obedient, and uh, they catch so much fish, yeah? We can learn so many things out of this text, isn't it? Verse 7. It's really, really nice. And they... Is it there? Okay, good. I won't read it then because with my English. It's really interesting that they... The, what we can learn out of verse 7, I think, it's, it's teamwork. Isn't it? They had partners there with other boards. It's really important in life and in church to have partners to work in team, not be a lonely stranger. You have, do you have people to, to, to you talk to? Do you have people where, when you are in a bad situation, not necessarily wait till it happens, but 
be proactive and go and do have people to speak to, to have a friend. It's really important to have friends, to work in teams. The, 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 team, the, the topic of the conference was, or they mentioned it several times, we are more stronger together than alone. We are more, more, more stronger together than when we are alone. This is a very important thing out of verse 7. We could learn this and we could benefit and be blessed by it. Verse 8 is really interesting, the reaction of, of, of Peter, isn't it? He sees this big, big miracle and all what he can say is, go away from me, Lord. I think it's a normal reaction, isn't it? When I don't know how it's for you, but when I have a real, real, real encounter, very deep encounter with Jesus, that's my first reaction. I'm, I'm not clean. I do my best. I try to be a saint, to live in, in, a, in a holiness. But when I meet Jesus, it's always, it's, Jesus, you're so clean. You're so clean and I, I feel so dirty. Go away from me. It's a normal reaction. This is a normal reaction. So we have a choice always when we meet Jesus. What do we do now? Do we run away or say to Jesus, go away? Or do we say to Jesus, please come closer. Please come closer. And in the end, Peter does this. He leaves everything and he follows Jesus. When we meet with God, we could have two reactions. We could say to God, go away. Or we could say to God, I want to follow you. This is really important. So what do you choose? Do you choose to come closer today? Or do you want to go your own way? Verse 9 and verse 10. Please, if it's all right. They are all surprised by the miracle, of course, because the carpenter told them what to do. And he was right. <laughs> and he says, now on, you will be a fisher of men, isn't it? You will fish for people. Yeah, that's it. So this is the new uh, uh, um, destiny of, G of, of Peter. Jesus comes into his boat. Jesus comes and uses his facilities, his boat, his life, his skills. He's here. He's just a fisherman. And Jesus wants to take him to a next level. He says, no, no, no. This is what I have for you. Jesus comes into your life and I don't know how you are. Maybe you are broken. Maybe you are happy with your life. But always when Jesus comes into your life, always he wants to take you to the next level. He always takes you to the next level. This is what he does. Maybe it doesn't seem to be a next level, but it is surely a next level. So my question is, what is the next level? What has God for you? It's the same question like in verse five. five. What is God doing in your life? Because he wants to take you from this level and bring you to another level. And this is, this is what I felt when I prepared this sermon. God wants to take you from one level and take you to another level. He wants you from fishermen, make you our fishers of men, isn't it? Am I right? Okay. This is what God wants to do with you. And it may take a long time, but he's, he, this is what he wants to do. So... Um, I want to come to some conclusion because verse 11 says this. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I don't know, sorry. They followed Jesus. 
This is really nice. I, I like this verse. I like verse 11. They left everything and they followed Jesus. So in this morning, I want to draw some conclusions and come to some conclusions. If the band wants to come up, they could come up. If, I don't know how it's working here in the church. But I feel this morning, <coughs> I felt this morning very strongly that God wants you to take you from one level and he wants to show you what's will going on, what will going on or what he has for you in the next season of life. Does it make any sense? Do you understand my English, yeah? He wants to take you from one, one, one place you're right now and take you to another one. And I think that God wants to speak to some of you and show you and guide you to the next thing he has for you. And uh, uh, this is what happened with Peter. He was a, a man who was, uh, uh, he wasn't, um, he was working hard. He was loving his family, feeding his family. And God says, I have more for you. I want to save you and I want to use you not just for your family, but I want to use you also for others. And I want to take you from this place and I want to take you to many places in Israel and I want to uh, 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 use you for my kingdom. And I feel in this morning that God wants to do this with some of you. So why, why don't we stand please? And I want to ask you to, to, to stay like quiet a minute and just think about it and meditate about it and ask God, God, is there anything new for me? Is there anything, what's the next level for me? What do you want me to do, Lord? I know you want to come into my life. I know to, you want to come into my boat. I already accepted you in my boat maybe. But what do you want me to do? Because I don't want to just lose my life doing the same thing every day. Is there anything you want me to do, Lord? And I don't know, maybe he will show you a neighbor. Maybe he will show you, I don't know what he will do, but he surely wants to show you exactly the the path he has prepared for you. You know, in, in Ephesians, it's so clear, Ephesians 2.10, he has prepared good things for us in which we can walk. And our Lord, Lord, we pray this morning that you will speak to each heart. Speak to us, Lord. Is it mission? Is it my family? I don't know. Is it something new I need to learn? Is it a person I can help? You know, the best question sometimes to, when you meet somebody is, what can I do for you? And I think Christians, we should learn this more often to do. What can I do for you? Maybe it's your neighbor. What can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I serve you? Lord, I pray that in this morning you will speak to us as a church. Lord, that you will speak to us, Lord, about the things you have prepared in the next season for us. Lord, I pray that you will be very specific, very kind, but very clear to, to all of us, Lord. Speak, Holy Spirit, we ask you. Please speak, Holy Spirit.
guides us. He always guides us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come now. Maybe you can lift your hands and stay in God's presence and ask him, Lord, please speak to me. You know, when God speaks one word, we have energy for the next 10 years, maybe. So I pray, Lord, speak to us. Energize us. Your words are life to us. Maybe God will give you a love, a very strong love for, for um, some people who are mar 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 marginalized, mar who are not seen by anyone. Or God has put you in, in high places and he gives you deep, deep, deep love and ideas to speak to people and help them and serve them. I thank you so much that you are speaking and we want to listen Lord we want to open our ears I pray that you will speak to each one of us Lord come Holy Spirit come fill us with wisdom 